Uh, yeah, so today's reading comes from John, and it's uh, chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. And that's on page uh, 1023 of the Church Blue Bibles. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not know, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Thank you, Harris. So, good morning. As I've prayed about the message for today, two words have strongly come through for me to expound on. One word is love, of course, and the second word is joy. I looked at the message version of the reading yesterday and found it really, really helpful. So, I'm just wondering if you could just chill down and let the river wash over you as you listen to the words from the message version. Just let God minister to you through this particular version. So Lord, we ask that you come in the power of your Holy Spirit and you take the word to each one of our hearts as we have need of you to touch us today. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my Father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command, love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me, remember? I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask, the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command, love one another. 
Now, everything about this reading radiates the meaning of living in the love of God. Can we have the next slide up, please? Living as his accepted, beloved children, held together by the very word of his power, each day and in every way chosen, loved, held and guided through each moment of life as it's given. Love and joy, both are fruits of the Holy Spirit, and living as Christ lived will mean growing in fruitfulness each moment of each day. Friends, chosen, loved. If we could have the next slide, please. Now, God's been speaking to me in my quiet times about the fruit of the Spirit. Benny Hinn had written something about the power and operation of the Holy Spirit on a page in my Bible, which is a Bible I've had for a long time, but reading it afresh lately, it's got the most wonderful uh, guides and thoughts by some wonderful writers in it. It's called the Master's Healing Presence Bible, and it's just such a helpful thing. He says this, the presence of God is the vehicle that brings the power. I'll say that again. The presence of God, the presence of God, is the vehicle that brings the power. The presence, not the other way around. The presence and the fruit come together. The anointing and the power do too. But he's clearly saying that the presence, it's what brings the fruit. And we cannot know the power until that manifestation of God's fruitfulness in our lives is there. And then the anointing comes too. So those things all wonderfully bound together. So many of us, and we all do, don't we? We want the power of God. But sometimes we do fail to understand that it won't come until we first experience his presence. One of those lovely worship songs this morning was all about your presence, Lord. It's his presence. It's not even singing a song that's lovely. It's what we want is his presence. And when the presence comes, the first evidence will be the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it helps us to understand this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And we all know what we're really like on the inside, don't we? And the very things that disturb us quite often are perhaps how we can envy others or their gifts and be jealous of the way somebody looks or what clothes they wear, all sorts of silly stuff. And we think, oh, how can I ever be in that place? But God spoke clearly to Benny Hinn and he said, I don't anoint vessels that are empty of me. I anoint vessels that are full of me. So 
he doesn't wish to, God doesn't wish to withhold a blessing from us. He longs to give it. And being immersed in God, in intimate relationship with him, being filled to overflowing, will mean that we are indwelt. That's what Jesus wants, that abiding in him, him abiding in us. That's the meaning. And then the fruit of the Spirit should pour out of our lives, touching those around us. We will be naturally supernatural. As to give a plug for a a conference a bit later this year, naturally supernatural. It's what we want to be, natural. But with that sense of God's presence coming out of our lives in a way we haven't even noticed. What do you do when you love someone? When you're intimately involved with someone, you spend time with them in relationship. You grow in love despite sometimes getting it wrong. And Jesus is talking about this kind of intimacy with his disciples, and he's talking about that with us today. Remain intimately at home in my love. And then as fruit bearers, Remember the root command to love one another. Jesus shows us how to live in relationship. We can see that in the pages of the Gospels. He lived in relationship with his Father. It was intimate. He went apart on his own to be with his Father a lot. You'll read about him doing that, withdrawing from the busy place. He didn't speak a word unless he'd heard the Father speak it, and he didn't act in any way of ministry without uh, having seen the Father do it or speak it. I think this is wonderful. So to grow in fruitfulness means to be rooted into Jesus first, learning from him, seeing his gaze meet your gaze. Practice that. Shut your eyes and let the gaze of Jesus look straight into your eyes and you gaze back and see what warmth and and peace and joy it brings. Experiencing intimate presence which will bring the fruit of the Spirit, which will bring anointing and power to witness in its turn. However busy Jesus was, however pressed by the crowds who came to him um, and they came to him for teaching and for healing, Jesus never forgot his absolute need for and dependence upon his heavenly Father. So if he didn't, how much more do we need that? He knew through the core of his being that his Father sustained him in being, that he was his strength, his sustenance, the very wellspring from which he drew all of his nourishment and nurture, his wisdom. His power. Prayer preceded and surrounded all that he did, and especially all major decisions and actions. Abide in me, says Jesus. His constant friendship. Can we have the next slide, please? His undying love. His honest encounter with each one of us at the very heart the very centre of our being, is there for us to respond to. Jesus doesn't call us into a passive relationship. 
No relationship can ever be true in that way. He longs to be our active, uh, vibrant, vividly alive partner, giving each day, each moment of our lives strength and purpose, focus, energy, meaning. Fruitful outflow from this relationship of prayer and presence will produce more fruit and an outflow of joyful living. I love that. Joyful living. The world truly can't give us joyful living. Jesus chooses you. He chooses us. He's our friend. He's your friend. He's my friend too. In our community here at St Alphage, I believe that God wants us to emulate Jesus in our love for one another. Jesus never dominated others, and nor did he seek to control anyone. He was at peace with himself, and he was at peace with others, even when he disagreed with what they'd said or their actions. All his relationships are framed and shot through with the consequence of his life and prayer and his relationship with his heavenly father. Jesus didn't use his friends, casting them off to one side when it was no longer expedient or helpful to have them as friends. I've seen some beautiful traces of his love shared in and among families in our church. I saw it yesterday in sharing the loss of Alan so suddenly, and I've seen it with many. Jesus wept over the loss of Lazarus. Weeping may come for a day, but joy comes in the morning. We walk with each other. We grow with each other. We nurture and develop each other as we journey together, abiding in Christ. We share prayer and hopes and dreams together. We learn to grow in trust and relationship with each other, drawing from our wonderful example of pure relationship working for our best, Jesus, our friend, you, me, friends of Jesus. What joy. I journaled this yesterday, um, struggling with my own sense of preparation for loss at my sister-in-law, who loves the Lord and has served him faithfully and right now is facing her last days, maybe even hours as I speak. Listening to a sermon last evening on TVN UK, Artie Kendall spoke of the use of the word joy as being a very special word. We go through all kinds of trials and at the end of this reading today, we hear words that tell us we will perhaps suffer for following Christ by abiding in his love, it won't always bring happy moments, not all the time. We will, because he did, suffer. Suffering comes, trials and tribulations. But Artie said that this word joy is special to him because it has the same meaning as the word justification by faith, which means just as if I had never sinned. It's a pure kind of relational thing that being in the gaze of him who first loved us, it gives us that sense of joy 
And if we trust in our trials, if we abide in him in the way that Jesus lived with the Father, he lived in abiding life with his Father, we face the difficulties with true belief that God not only knows, but he is teaching us, shaping us for our good in the trials that we meet. And then by acceptance of this knowledge that he is good, and he will explain all things when he returns, and that every eye shall see he is good. Then joy will fill our hearts. So the place of abiding is not just love, but joy and peace in believing. If you could put the next slide up for me, that would be wonderful. Count it joy. I put these different faces on the screen because people who love Jesus in all parts of the world quite often do suffer for their faith in Christ. And I've just got a few words from uh, a woman in, or about a woman in South America. This is one of my favourite ever writers, Henry Nouwen, and it's a book called Walk with Jesus. It's about the Stations of the Cross, but he was talking about some Indian people of South America radiating deep inner joy and peace. They're carrying straw crosses in a possession. I tried to get this up on the screen. I couldn't manage it. I'm not clever enough with IT stuff, unfortunately. Um, the long palm leaves that they flourish manifest their sense of victory and triumph. Yes, there is sadness, but gladness too. Yes, there is grief, but joy as well. Yes, there is fear, but also love. Yes, there is hard work, but celebration follows. And yes, there is death, but also resurrection. And the smiles breaking through the weathered faces as men and women walk in procession in this place in South America speak of deep faith in the resurrection. And it's a faith that not only trusts that life is stronger than death, but also offers a foretaste of the joy that will last forever. The eyes of the poor can suddenly become luminous with hope and open up horizons far beyond the limited vision of a self-preoccupied humanity. The poor of the world carry in their hearts a resurrection faith. So whether it's Bolivia, Peru, Nepal, Mexico, Pakistan, Burundi, Sudan, those that know and love the Lord know that abiding peace. These words are from my journal yesterday. I wrote them down in my devotions. First of all, it's a prayer, but it was a prayer that I was praying. Prayer is at the heart of every sermon. Lord, I come to you. I pray to you alone. Guide me in prayer and fellowship with you, Lord. Comfort and strengthen me with your rivers of joy in this current trial. May my fellowship with you be sweet to all that I am in you. That was my prayer, and then I recorded this. Prayer has to be at the heart of every sermon, in fact, everything we do. Prayer has to be at the heart of every action, either with people or with ministry, and whatever is done must be worked out from the place of abiding and living in his gaze. 
having our gaze fixed on him. This doesn't mean that we hide away, studying and isolating ourselves from all that challenges us. No, it means coming out, being among people, living out that abiding love among those that we are called to bring his light out to. Tall order. Yes, but living as we should, like the master. Whatever word's true for you, I pray the Lord will multiply them to you and that you'll know his love and joy surrounding you. In Christ's name, amen.